It's the Push Off Podcast, and we are in the middle of looking at prospects, which means this episode, we got 10 brand new, very good friends. This is the Push Off! everybody welcome to another episode of the push off podcast your favorite weekly nfl show that discusses everything that happened last week and gets you ready for the next i'm your host scott ogan and joining us as always it's dan running a four 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 forty right it's <laughs> a lot of fours mm-hmm. uh dan we got ourselves a tight little show here we're discussing two prospect situ- uh positions what are they uh, we are going to be talking about interior offensive and defensive line. And I love when you say it's a real tight show. It means it's going to come in just a hair under two hours. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Nice tight show in there. No, but I just mean uh, it, it's got plenty uh, uh, filled within it, just like these interior and offensive and defensive linemen. Um, but obviously, we always start with news. And the number one thing that we need to talk about is these first-round trades. The uh, Miami Dolphins got busy with a couple of teams switching up some draft picks uh, after the dust settled. Well, first of all, let's just start with it. They trade with the 49ers to trade down from the 12th overall selection all the way down to the third. Dolphins moved up to the 12th and collected a first and a third from San Francisco for next year. And then Dolphins traded right back down to the sixth overall pick with the Eagles who ended up with that 12th and future firsts, futures, uh, first round and some more picks or something in there. I didn't get all that. But this year, what we know is Niners third overall. Dolphins are picking not only sixth in the first round, but the 18th pick as well. And the Eagles are picking 12 now. Where do you want to start with all that, Dan? Well, I think it's always good when John Lynch, uh, the GM of the 49ers, comes out and goes, Listen, we're drafting a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I'm, and he was like, listen, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not happy about it. I think he understands where we're coming from. And he said all the shit out loud that you're not supposed to say, which is like, yeah, we're happy to have a veteran quarterback while we groom his replacement. Um, but it also okay. means that the trade market is wide open now for Jimmy Garoppolo. If you really want to come in there and grab Jimmy G and think, hey, I want to do my offseason program with this fucking dude, do it now. Because they didn't they didn't mortgage the future. Um, well, no, they did. They did <laughs> yeah. mortgage the future. Um, but I, I also didn't think this was a horrific trade for how much they had to move up. Um, the real winner in all of this, though, is Miami. Holy shit! Miami did all right. Miami ending up back down at six, and will probably get who I think they were looking at third at three. I mean, they're not moving on from from Tua right away. If that no. wasn't the plan, then there's no reason to stay at three. And at six, you're probably going to get Jamar Chase, who I think is the perfect fit for him. Uh, if he doesn't, if it's not him, then Bengals skipped up on Panay Sewell or there's some other positional guy. There's going to be a top non-QB still sitting there at six for him. I, I think a lot of that is when you're at six and you think to yourself, all right, we have at least, we now know at least three QBs are gone. 
So you have to look at your the top of, you know, your board for everybody else. You go, okay, could I live with not getting Penny Sewell, um, Devonte Smith, or uh, Jamar Chase? And if you say yeah, no, you go, okay, got it. I got to get yeah. back into six for one of those fucking dudes, just for one of them. And yeah. I think the Dolphins needed an impact player, and at six, they are still going to get one if they don't fuck it up. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, how about the Eagles then trading out back down to twelve when they're sitting there at six? It's it's think? smart, you know yeah. the for the Eagles for the Dolphins they don't feel like they're too far away. They have a good they have a good defense, a young rising quarterback, and you know their team is still in pretty good shape. The Eagles are in full rebuild mode. They need picks now. They need picks next year. They need the picks after that. If they think that this kid is their actual quarterback of the future better to give him more picks down the road than say, hey, we'll give you this one impact player right now. There might still be a couple available wide receivers at 12. Um, obviously, it won't be Devontae Smith or, Demont- or uh, Jamar Chase, but if they happen to luck into it, who knows? And, yeah. you know, it, it just means that the Eagles probably weren't like, hey, let's get Kyle Pitts at six, you know, yeah. and figure that shit out. So, um, This still makes things very interesting. Obviously, we've got plenty of time to kind of do mock drafts and things like that, but looking at where the Niners now are at three, rumors I heard is that it's going to be Shanahan's choice, not so much uh, you know, their GM there. It's it's more what Shan- who Shanahan wants for quarterback. You've heard the rumors. There's a lot of dust being kicked around because it could be anybody. Who do you see them taking at three? Um, I, I actually see them taking whoever is left over of the big three that we talked about. You know, I, that's the hard thing is like, it doesn't feel like Shanahan's choice. It feels like the Jets choice, the Jets choice. So yeah, I'm thinking too, obviously we know Lawrence probably going one unless a big surprise happens. Is the two guy then, uh, Zach Wilson. I'm thinking Zach Wilson's going second. It's possibility. I think there's a part of me that thinks it's Justin Fields will go two. Okay. And if that's the case, then. Then Zach Wilson going three, I think the 49ers are ecstatic. The weird thing, now see, it's funny you're saying those are the big three, and I I kind of agree with you from the tape I watched too, but the rumors I'm hearing in the things, and obviously this is that time of year, a month before the draft, that it's like, oh, please, let's let them think everything that's wrong. But the thought I'm hearing is that Justin Fields is dropping, and people like Mac Jones is going way up. Trey Lance could even go third overall to San Francisco. They like how that fit is. Now, that could very much be San Francisco being like, we don't want you to know we're taking Justin Fields or Zach Wilson here. I don't know. I can't tell what what San Francisco wants here. And, And when it comes to QBs, like we saw when Baker Mayfield went first overall and things like that, uh, when, um, the Giants took, uh, Daniel Jones, it, it's up to taste. It's very much up to taste. I Baker Mayfield, I still hold that that was a fucking reach. Um, <laughs> I still hold to it now. I just say that. But, uh, yeah, there's there's always those moments where you go, somebody's going to make a weird fucking decision at a quarterback. And yeah. I I think if the Jets didn't choose a quarterback, then we've got a, then we've got a fucking – We've got a thing on our hands. Then we've got a draft, everybody. Um, but I, I think they have to. I think, you know, looking at Sam Darnold, even though he's not the problem, you know, they go, well, we, we just need a rebranding. The Jets so badly need a rebranding, and they can't walk away from two, from a number two pick and not get, not try to reinvigorate the franchise again, even though Sam Darnold's a number three pick. So, yeah. you know, the Jets are just not a well-run organization. I 
And so I just all the decisions that I think they're going to make are based in that knowledge that they're not good at this. Yeah. So who knows? Um, thanks for bringing up Sam Darnold. Last point I have on this is here's a list of other QBs drafted when a team traded up to the top three overall picks. That's Sam Darnold, it's Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Robert Griffin the third. Now all of those Pretty have turned successful. out. Yeah. yeah. That's right. All right. Um, I'm I'm super excited though. The draft is under a month away now, and we're we're discussing who's going where. It's it's super exciting. That's true. It is. It's less than a month. This yep. time, this time next month, we will have the answers to who is drafted because the drafts on the 29th, the 30th, and the 31st. This time so, of night, we will be done with it. Yeah, we'll be done with it. It'll be ah, oh, be a long, nice, nice, fun weekend there. But there Sorry. it is. Uh, here's something that came out this week. Uh, the uh, longtime NFL announcer Dick Stockton is retiring. 55 years of a career in broadcasting. He's hanging it up. Wow, that is a long fucking time. <laughs> he was with CBS before he went, came over to Fox. The one thing about Dick Stockton is he got so many of that, the Midwest games. The, was, uh, was he with them when they were just radio? <laughs> no, 55 years in broadcasting as a whole. Not so oh. much yet, just uh, television stuff. I don't know what other oh my God. radio, even print work, whatever, well, broadcasting. But uh, Dick Stockton, I mean, <laughs> Morse code. I, I grew up with him on, on, you know, calling Bears-Lions games at noon on Sunday on Fox. That's that's what you watched when you were local central Illinois, and that's the only games you had on was Bears games. Like Dick Stockton announced so many of those that uh, it's going to be weird having him gone. At, at no point in Dick Stockton's career. Dick Stockton is the Drew Brees of announcers. Yeah. <laughs> you go, at no point is he ever the lead man in your anger booth, but you go, he's going to give me a solid fucking job. I can put whatever, you know, I want to bring up a new uh, color man. I'll throw him in with Dick Stockton. Dick will make him look good. Um you know, he's just a journey. He was, well, not a journeyman because he stayed in one place for his whole fucking <laughs> career. But yeah, man, I'm I'm impressed by guys that can do anything for 55 straight years. That's kind of insane to me. I haven't had a job consecutively longer than six years, um, and I don't know if I ever will. Yeah, basically since he was 20, I think he's like 75 now. So it's time, whatever. Great career. Congrats, Dick Stockton. Yeah, congrats, Dick. Uh, and then we've got to discuss this. The Probably the biggest news in the NFL is we will now have 17 games. There is a Week 18. Welcome to Week 18, folks. Uh, no, Here's a little quick update on, on what this means. Uh, no salary cap effect this year. That doesn't mm-hmm. change anything just because you have one extra game. Uh, the players are getting an extra game check, basically, like 117th of their contract deal. They're getting that on top. Less preseason, obviously, that was the trade-off that we were going to see. Uh, this is probably why TV money skyrocketed quite a bit. There's a whole extra week of of games and of uh, of uh, some money on the on the eyeballs on on your television. <laughs> uh, records will fall sooner than later this year. The uh, career records, things like that. I mean, you add another game, and it allows these people who are you know two thousand yard rushers that that record to to beat. They're gonna they're gonna start dropping because you have a whole extra game, but more injuries, and obviously the the more players on the roster that we got like last year is probably gonna stay. Yeah, I I think it's going to be more attrition. We always talk about this, and I don't know how many of the career 
stats are really going to be affected by this because it is more body wear and tear. True. Um, I do think a lot of single season records are just going to get fucking obliterated. Um, yeah. Because people forget, you know, that's another 300 yards for a passer. That's another 150 yards for a runner uh, having a really good year. That's that's a lot. I mean, remember, O.J. ran for 2,000 yards in 14 games and then, you know, and then killed his wife. So maybe records aren't everything. <laughs> and we talk about uh, the 14 game in a 14-game season. Well, in a 16-game season. And we're up to 17. Here we go. Just one more. Um yeah, there's uh, NFL players that have come out against us. I think when we talked about it on our State of the League, we weren't totally excited about it, the kind of the feeling of diluting the uh, talent base by just adding a game this late into the season. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I was the one that was against the change to uh, the playoff structure, and now I'm for it. So yeah. change scares all of us at first. <laughs> yeah. Then we... Yeah. You're a man of flexible moral boundaries, is what you're telling me. Amen. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? Um, okay, well, those are the news bits I have for this week. Uh, free agency is still alive and raring to go, but not a lot of big names landing in places that we haven't already discussed, especially the last two weeks. So take a look at those if you want to get more of the free agency talk. We like to try to hit it up before the season begins, looking at the draft and new prospects that the teams have picked up the, the veterans and stuff that they've added kind of what what the new teams look like so we'll have plenty of time to do that leading into the 2021 season uh that sure seems like we're gonna have full stadiums that was the other I thing that the, yeah and i guess if you're the nfl you have to prepare that way and if you reel back you reel back so be it but yeah you prepare that way um okay Let's get into the prospects. No, no reason to uh, slow down now. Let's jump right into them. Uh, we oh, have do, ten. I do have one prospect I want to talk about a little bit. Okay, did something crazy today. Well, um, I was going to segue in. Yeah, that uh, pro days, right? You've been looking yeah. at the pro days. Okay, yeah. Let's day, hear about it. And uh, Jamar Chase had a pro day. He he ran in the four fours. It, it was good. Um, First I think time he actually ran a four three. Yeah, four like three eight, which Chase, is pretty good. Since he was. Uh, in that championship game from 29 the end of it 2020's championship game yeah so he you know he showed up he's in good shape that's that answers a lot of questions i didn't think he wouldn't um you know he didn't come out and run like a 428 nobody it, nothing popped off like holy shit where did that come right. from but, but um, I, we do i'm i stick by what i said cuz i watched the tape and i didn't put him as an elite status but holy shit uh Kyle Pitts Hmm. Had a fucking disgusting pro day today and ran a four 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 as a tight end at so, yeah, six foot six, six two hundred and forty five pounds. Yep, holy that fuck, Kyle Pitts, man. Uh, yeah. It, did I it, ever did I ever tell you my stripper story? <laughs> I think so, but go ahead. So, as as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, I. I enjoy the occasional stripper from time to time. Uh, and I went that's, to a... <laughs> it's like the a, weirdest it's like way a to put it. I, I enjoy the occasional stripper. I you, visit visited, strip you, vid- you, you have visited gentlemen establishments. Yes, gentlemen's there establishments. We, we can so, clean this up. Uh, I'm also very cheap, if anybody knows me very well. So I go, I go in on the budget. It's not good. No, it's good. This really paints Your the picture of a winning. dollar bells on strings that you eat back. <laughs> <laughs> Almost had it. Uh, so I go in with a, with a budget. It's the way I gamble as well. Uh, I'm fun at parties. 
<laughs> so I go in and I'm like, hey, I'm going to spend like a hundred dollars at the strip club or whatever that may be. And uh, so it makes me a discerning person when <laughs> ladies come around and say, Hey, you want to dance? I go, ah, you know, no, thank you. I'm not a hundred percent attracted to you. So that's fine. I'm going to save it for, you know, my <laughs> peccadillos. And uh, so one, one girl came out and uh, she was gorgeous, very much fit all my criteria for a dancing Just like girl. your wife. Yeah, well, she did. She actually looked a lot like my wife. My wife really fits the mold of what I'm looking for. I digress. There There's a story about strippers. Don't bring my wife into this. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so she comes over, and she's like, do you want to dance? And I get the impression that she's drunk. And I was like, oh, no, I'm good. This is no good. I don't like this. This is not my cup of tea. And so <laughs> she, because she's gorgeous and I look like me, she's like, what? Like, shocked shocked by this and i go yeah no i'm good thank you and now i've completely shut down because i i don't appreciate her lack of work ethic you know in a strip club because <laughs> that's important and she proceeds to go to the next dude like two seats over and goes you're getting a dance and he goes what and she proceeds to basically fuck this dude <laughs> absolutely gave that guy her best stuff 100 percent, her best stuff looked at me the entire time and i always felt like that guy owed me money <laughs> because I really motivated, really motivated her to to do her level best. I feel like Kyle Pitts did that today. He must have heard the podcast, mm-hmm. and he must have said, "I didn't get that coveted elite grade from the Push Off podcast. I'm gonna go fuck this pro day up hard." So I expect a letter, <laughs> yeah, uh, from Kyle Pitts coming here shortly, being like, "You watch that pro day, motherfucker." I'm like, "I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry." Maybe if I had seen that pro day first, I would have given you the elite grade, but it's what's done is done. Hell of a story and, and just a way to explain it, I guess. <laughs> just a way. Um, I did hear Kyle Pitts, like apparently best biggest wingspan of a tight end ever. And it, I mean, if that, if that floats your boat, that's great. But yeah, no, I think he's going to jump up boards. I'm pretty sure oh, you're looking at a guy that'll go top six seven picks somewhere up in there uh, yeah. i like him at, with atlanta at four right now honestly we still we still like kyle pitts it's just you know watch yeah, the tape how do you play I mean, him what do you, you make him worth yeah everybody can win the underwear olympics i mean he's a, clearly a freak athlete but you know what i saw his legs in those pants and i i, I saw those on tape too and i'm not impressed ah all right um but we have 10 new friends 10 new very good friends to talk mm-hmm. about um, interior, offensive, and defensive lines. Where, which uh, of these sides do you want to start? Well, I want to start on the defensive line, um, cool. and I'm afraid we might not have as many very good friends this week. They might not love what I have to say. Oh no! All right. Well, who who do we begin with then? So I want to start out with what seems to be everybody's consensus number one interior defensive lineman, and it's uh, Christian Barmore, uh, tackle out of Alabama. Yeah, this guy, um, 6'5", 3'11". Alabama guy. I mean, Alabama defensive tackles expect him to go first round, basically. Are, are you? Yeah. Have you played um, starter for at least a year? You know, it's yours. <laughs> yeah. I would not draft Christian Barmore in the first round. Oh, okay. He, so, I want to talk about some things. We talk about guys that I shit on. I talk about all the bad things first. I want to talk about the good things first, Christian Barmore. One, yeah. Freak size, mm-hmm. six foot five, three ten from an interior defensive lineman. That's amazing. Plus, I was shocked that he was 
six foot five because he plays really low. He plays with excellent leverage in the center there. People are talking about him as a three technique because they're like, wow, look at the sack production in his one full year as a starter. And I watched every one of those sacks. I don't think, I I think maybe one of them was a technique sack. Almost everything else was a a defensive scheme or stunt sack. Mm. So very little of his production actually seemed like it was coming from Christian Barmore. Um, Plus, I was watching a lot of this tape and I'm like, wait, where... I'm watching a lot of defensive tape of Alabama. I'm like, where's Christian Barmore? It's like, I'm watching every snap of these things. I'm like, is Christian Barmore in on this drive? The motor is just not there. The motor's mm-hmm. not there. The conditioning's not there. He's a really big body. He's in good shape, but he's not able to be an every-down defensive tackle. So if you're telling me that you're going to get an every-down defensive tackle who doesn't have a, a well-developed pass rush move or skill set, that's fine. Maybe a first-rounder. If you're going to tell me a guy has a bunch of pass rush moves, but he's not an every down D tackle, maybe a first rounder. But if you don't have the pass rush moves and you're not an every down D tackle, how can I ever endorse you as a first round pick? I just don't see it. Now, this might be a guy that gets into the right scheme and they go, you know, get your conditioning right. You're in there every play. You're our starting three technique. You're going to make this fucking thing happen. But Christian Barmore feels like a potential bust to me just because everybody likes him this high and you're not seeing the the drive. He's not consistent enough. I, I'm not seeing the production. I'm not seeing the productivity. I think a better athlete would have had 12 or 13 sacks from that position this year out of that Alabama defense. I'd like, I mean, you're right. You didn't say not a lot of uh, pass rush moves, but the guy can do a lot of brute force and little... Gets small within the lines. Like, I remember Quinn and Williams, nowhere near as good as getting into those tight spots as Quinn and Williams when he was on Alabama, but that type of attack I can kind of see in. I just didn't like his leverage stuff. He, he's reaching out too much, a little bit over his legs, and then mm-hmm. I would see in the same play, he dominate his offensive lineman, shove him back into the the lap of the quarterback, throw him off the side, and then he's it's him and the quarterback, and the quarterback just an easy sidestep and then step up in the pocket, and Barmore's past him. He run himself out of the play, and yeah. I saw that a little too much. Um, but I still was like, well, he still gets the best of the best, and I still, you know, I'm putting him up there high. So you think, what, a day two guy, or a second round guy? I think he's going to go in the first round because people are going to look at him and go, well, he's an Alabama D tackle. Like, how bad could he be? And yeah. I just I give caution. I would love to see this guy slide in the second round, maybe get a chip on his shoulder about it. Uh, you know, because if he goes somewhere in like the fifteen or the sixteen, because somebody goes, "Hey, six foot five, three ten, look at the potential." Yeah. Um, I just think I think that's a mistake looking at a guy like this. And he does have the potential. He's got a high ceiling, like you said, but I could see the worry that he's not going to hit that ceiling just because of work ethic or something. Well, he, I. I'm conflicted because he's a redshirt sophomore, and it's very hard to knock a guy for going to the NFL to go make money. You had a good year, go make money. I fucking get it. But this is a case of a guy being a redshirt sophomore that probably needed to come out as a redshirt junior. Um, That's that's probably it, you know? Um, NFL comparison, do you have anything that he reminded you of? I I wrote down Marcel Darius because somebody else did, but any, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, he reminds me a little bit of Derek Brown from last year, mm-hmm. um, but he reminds me a little bit of Nick Fairley, and that worries me. 
Yeah, and you're right. I think he could play three technique. I think you could put him at a two technique too. He's just not, even though he's very big, he couldn't play your nose tackle. No, he's not. A, he's not a nose. I I don't think he's got because he's six foot five, three ten. Yeah, you know if you if you want a guy like that to play nose, he's got to put on like thirty pounds. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, uh, next guy from Washington. Um, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give the shot at his last name here. Oh, it is uh, Levi Onzuriki. 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 This says a little bit smaller. 6'3", 293. Um, the NFL comparison I saw written down for him was Sheldon Richardson. <sighs> Generous. Um, yeah, most I, of them are when comparisons. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to have that same level of production as Sheldon Richardson. Um Onwuzurike reminds me very much of a two technique. Uh, I don't think he's a guy that's a three. He's not going to be a great pass rusher. I didn't show that. He was a three-year starter. He sat out the entirety of his senior season. Uh, He opted out, but he went to the senior bowl, um, which I I actually think was helpful for him because he, you know, he he did do well in the senior bowl. It it wasn't embarrassing, even though he was being out. He was out for a year. Uh, Conditioning can very much show up and make you look bad. But uh, Onwuzurike is a guy that you can start right now as a defensive tackle and not worry too much about him getting pushed off the ball, uh, not worry too much about uh, not being able to handle the run. I thought he was a very good run defender. He's just not a lot of guy. He's not a guy with a ton of uh, upside in terms of pass rush. So if you're drafting him for that, I feel like he's a pretty safe pick. This is another guy that I would put into the second round because of that. Um, but depending on the scheme you run, especially a lot of Tampa 2s, um, a lot of cover two defenses, a lot of four threes, this is a guy that very much could be active for you. I don't think he'd be a good fit in any you know, any 3-4 defenses, but he'd, he'd fit the two technique on a 4-3. Yeah, I would agree with you in those. Um, uh, what I liked about him was the long, stiff arm. He holds yeah. the guy off and then mirrors the running back, and he would do that all day long, and that's what he was best at. You're right. I think he does miss a step when it comes to pass rushing. He's a little inconsistent between the plays. Kind of stalemated sometimes too. If yeah, if he doesn't get a good push on the guy off the line, he's like, all right, I don't know what else I got. Uh, <laughs> since you weren't blown away by Barmore, do you like Barmore better than this guy, or do they play very different parts? I, I feel like they play very different parts. I feel like I have fewer questions on tape um, of Onwuzurike. Mm-hmm. I have way more questions on tape about Barmore, but obviously the potential for Barmore is is outstanding. Um, and I feel like Onwuzurike is, if anything, he's going to be a valuable, consistent starter for you, whereas Barmore, if he can really clean it up and turn that body into what it's possible to be, he could be a star at the next level. I just don't think he's worth a first-round pick now because of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, opted out of 2020, but jumping in there and playing in the Senior Bowl is encouraging. He might have just been doing it to help his draft stock, but still encouraging. Um, all right. Uh, are we on to the USC guy, Jay Tufele? Jay Tufele. Um, Jay Tufele. Here we go. So one of the things you're going to see coming up is a lot of these guys actually opted out uh, this year because we talked about one of the comorbidities of COVID-19 being you know, a high BMI. Yeah. And so a lot of these guys that played D-tackle are like, Wait, am I more at risk because I play D tackle and I got to keep all this extra weight on? And the answer is, yeah, yeah. fucking, yeah, it is. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. Um, but I thought Jay Tufele actually 
was a guy that I would have loved to have seen get an actual senior season because mm-hmm. he was very productive and he was growing every year that he was doing this. Um, he's a guy that I think probably is a better pass rusher um, than Unwozurike. I think he's much better against the run than Barrymore or Barrymore. And I think he's a really good kind of jack of all trade tackle option. Um, USC has done a pretty good job with these guys recently. Uh, there's a guy on the Cowboys, Antoine Woods, who's an undrafted free agent. We just, you know, tendered him a restricted note. But USC's had a pretty good offensive line for a number of years, but none of them are ever flashy. Tufele fits into that mold as well. Not real flashy, but a guy that just kind of gets it done. I could see him playing a three technique. Uh, on and off. I could see him playing a three technique and shading into the two. I could see him putting on a little weight and playing the nose and playing it well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's right now a good flex between two or three. You can draft him in wherever you need him. You could play him. Uh, what do you like about this guy is this motor. He's never stopping. Yeah. He's chasing down the play. The running back gets by him, and he's, he's uh, in pursuit. Um, the thing that he makes up for in doing that is his head in the game. He doesn't understand blocking schemes as well as the top two guys or, or even understand where the running back's going. So uh, sometimes he's lost <laughs> track of the play, but he's still fighting over here with some guy. Uh, you love that though. So, cause if he's in the play, he's in the play. Uh, he's not just watching the guy get taken to the ground. He's driving him down too. So it's a, it's probably a guy you have to teach up. It's probably a guy you have to, uh, teach him yeah some some technique stuff and things like that to to have him succeed even further in the next round but it's he's gonna succeed on his athleticism and he's got enough of that too but he did he did pick up a lot of it too that's the nice thing is he's he's a guy that got yeah he he grew he got that's why i said i would have loved to see his senior season i feel like a really good senior season from tufele probably could have pushed him into the first round honestly okay but Um, instead i i just said day two i think Second, third round. Yeah, I I would love to see him go into the second round. I would love to see somebody fall in love with his potential and you know say, oh yeah, this is this is the guy we want. But I, I feel like yeah, he's probably going to be uh, late second rounder, maybe a early third. The uh, NFL comparison written down for him was a blast from my past, Chris Hoven. Oh yeah, okay. There I am. He was a guy too. A lot of motor. Just I'm I'm going to go in there and. And, and play hard every play kind of guy. And it's like, all right, try to get some success th- now. <laughs> with the fucking face paint. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, who's your next uh, interior defensive? Well, as you know, um, you tend to let me pick uh, who we're going to review. And because it is my prerogative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I chose Bobby Brown the third. You wanted to use that, yep. I did. I I actually do. I am intrigued by Bobby Brown the uh, Third. Physically, the dude is pretty good. Yeah, uh, he's a big you know guy. this is yeah. He's a big dude. Uh, played on a real run heavy defense or a, a run a run swallowing defense in Texas A and M. Six foot four, three hundred and fifteen pounds. The dude is a, is a fucking monster, man. He's he's so big um, and so nimble and so quick that I was actually kind of fucking shocked that he was playing on Texas A and M. He saw a big increase in terms of his sack numbers and uh, tackles for loss. He really was a much more penetrative player this year. That being said, this is another guy that felt like he was flashing, 
and I I didn't see that same production watching some of his freshman and sophomore tape. His freshman and sophomore tape, he seemed kind of lost out there. His junior tape, he feels like he added a lot of bulk, added a lot of size, but didn't add a ton of technique. But the motor was excellent. See, I read that he dropped weight his last year. Yeah, no, he did, but he bulked up. Okay. So he, he dropped weight. He was carrying a lot of baby fat. Okay. And so, like, obviously he didn't get into, like, Sean Oakman territory, but he really came into his body. He dropped some of that unnecessary weight, toned up. Um, I think it helped his motor. I think it helped his conditioning. Um, he's, he's turning 21 in August, so he's still a young kid, yeah. Yeah. He's a young dude. Um, so this is this is a guy that if you if you like his potential, I can see this guy actually going as high as, as round three. Yeah, yeah. I I put down fourth, but yeah, as high as round three. I I mean, I, I liked his length. Uh, guys would run by him, and he sticks that arm out. And you're right. The the run defense on this guy was very good. Jumping off the blocks, good anchor. He didn't get pushed around too much. I think perfect as a two technique. His movement was a little wild, and his pass there wasn't much of a pass rushed from him. So you're not getting that too much of that. You're kind of. He's the guy who'll take up some blocks and make sure the line don't move on you. His the best of his pass rush was literally just collapsing the interior of the line. It wasn't, yeah. you know, you weren't seeing moves, you weren't seeing swims, you weren't seeing humps and you know clubs and anything like that. He was just like, okay, I'm gonna run into you, and if you go backwards, I get to the quarterback. There you <laughs> Which, go. Which it's not gonna work at the next level. But once again, this is a guy that, even though he played at his junior year at three fifteen, this is a guy that could play at three thirty and really be an occupying two technique, could even play a five technique D-end and a three-four. Okay. That's that's where I think he, he has more position flexibility than some of the guys we're talking about. When we're, when we're talking about Barrymore, Barrymore could play the five technique. He actually played it a lot. Um, so he could wind up going to three-four. Uh, Onwuzurike, I think, is stuck in a four-three. I think Tufele is stuck in a 4-3, but I think Bobby Brown, the third, has some more position flexibility. No matter what you do, you can find a place for him. Awesome. All right, well, that leaves us with uh, one more of the defensive interior to discuss, and this one is another whose dad played in the league, An- another yeah. one who's who's got the game in his blood. Yeah, here's, here's another blast from the past name, everybody. Lorenzo Neal. And this is obviously Junior, right? <laughs> yeah. There's no way this guy's coming back as a defensive tackle now. <laughs> he really reinvented himself. It was excellent. Uh, yeah, Lorenzo Neal, he's he's a guy that actually has a, a ton of moves, but I don't think the athletic ability is there. No, yeah. I not a not great balance, kind of top heavy of a of a guy, but when you when you gave me this name, I was like, Oh, it's just because he's the fullback son and we're gonna watch some get later round guy, but I still really enjoyed watching him. The Purdue games that he was in, he was involved in a lot, and he gets psyched up, and yeah. Yeah, he's he's coached well. One of the knocks on him is that he gets uh, push, like pushed down a lot. Um, he's on the ground quite a bit, yeah. um, which means he's not really playing with his feet under him. He's, pl- he's trying to play light-footed um, at defensive tackle, which is not always a good thing, especially if you're athletically limited. Um mm. But at the same time, this is a guy that has clearly been coached up correctly. Um, I just hope that somebody is going to say, all right, that shit you were doing that made you productive at Purdue, you got to set your fucking feet. You got to not let these dudes get under you ever. 
And then he's another guy that offers me some position flexibility. I don't think he's ever going to play in a 3-4, but he could play the 3 technique. He could play the 2. I don't know how effective he'd be at the 3, um, but this is this is a guy that will play in the NFL. And I think, you know, if he's got his dad's longevity and his dad's, you know, work ethic, I mean, shit, he'll be playing for the next 10 years. He might never be an all-pro. He might never yeah. be a pro bowler, but this is definitely a guy that three, four teams down the road is playing for 10 years. Um. Yeah, I two tech maybe maybe even uh, nose. Could you see him playing nose? I don't think he's got the body for the nose. I mean, he's yeah. six foot three. He's a big, but he'd have to put on weight to play the nose. Quite There's, a bit. I don't think this is a wonderful class for D tackles. Personally, uh, obviously, we don't have a first rounder today. <laughs> I, I don't think we do. I, I think Barmore is getting pushed up there. I think Enwozarike is kind of a reach in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I the guy I would weirdly enough be least surprised to see go as a first rounder is uh Tufele. Yeah, okay. I I if he jumped up somebody's like, "No, nah, I fucking loved his film." Cuz his film was super fun and somebody would go, yeah, it was. "This is the guy I I really think I can turn him around." <clears throat> That's the one thing. But yeah, this is not a great class for defensive tackles. Good depth. If you don't mm-hmm. need a starter, if you don't need a star, there's a bunch of dudes in the second, third, and fourth round that can help you and be productive and be in a good rotation for you, but there's not a lot of stars here. Yeah, but even the, yeah, you're right, these five guys that we talk about, they're, they are all very good at a couple of those things that you need in a, out of a defensive tackle. So if you can get one of them, put them in a rotation, not a bad pickup. Yeah. Very true. Okay. Uh, those are the five that we want to talk about for defensive interior of the defensive line, defensive interior line, uh, but the interior offensive linemen, I mean, obviously we're bouncing right back with some elites, Dan. I think we are. <gasps> really? I think we are. Okay, well, let's start. Uh, I, I want to hear if there's an elite here. Who is it? So my elite is Rashawn Slater. Okay, Northwestern's Rashawn Slater. And here we are. We're talking about him in the interior offensive line. So he is an I, elite guard. I have him as an elite guard or center. Okay, okay. Uh, so this, <laughs> I get knocks. I remember having an argument with one of my buddies a while back when I gave Ezekiel Elliott an elite grade, and I I did. I gave. I was like, Ezekiel Elliott's fucking great. The dude's elite. He goes, Yeah, but he's a running back. And I go, Yeah, but he's a fucking elite running back. I don't know what to tell you. And he goes, But what's the value there at that position? I said, That's not important. It's not important what the value is. The thing that's important is that he plays his position so fucking well that. He could play it on any team in the NFL. Well, and Rashawn Slater feels that way. We've had an elite guard before on this show. That was Quentin Nelson. Yeah, I. They play a very different game. Okay. Um. (laughs) Quentin Nelson was just a fucking mean person. He's just (laughs) so mean, man. Um, but. I watch Rashawn Slater, and I I love the quickness. I love the feet. I love the movement. Um, I think he's an incredibly athletic guard. I think he's really built his body up too. Um, that's one of the things you can see. He's he's not an overly tall guy. He's only about six foot three, about three hundred pounds. So I think he'll probably add about ten pounds to really play effectively inside. Um, but his feet are excellent. Um, he played some center, and so he's a guy that. You could basically say, all right, I got three open spots on the inside of my line. What can you play? And he's smart enough. 
experienced enough that he could go, I play left guard, right guard, or center. It doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, but he's a day one starter on every team in the NFL. He, since he's been playing tackle lately for Northwestern or uh, most recently, and, and that's kind of what I watched, he seems to play very up, up uh, high. Like his pad level is pretty high up for guard, I feel like. But, I mean, that's not a big deal. He's 6'3". He's not super tall. Um, I'm sure you saw, because that was the big thing about his tape, is the Chase Young tape. Rashawn Slater mm-hmm. versus Chase Young. He he had him. He Chase Young really had a very quiet game back in 2019 when they played, and Rashawn Slater kind of made a name for himself in that game. And you always got to be careful because you know this is the uh, this is the same way we get a Vernon Golston, you know, yeah. <laughs> who, who had that game against Jake Long, and everybody's like, oh my God, Vernon Golston's an elite pass rusher. You go, no, he had a really good game against a guy. Um, but I just kept seeing Rashawn Slater pop up against really really talented players and and just neutralize them mm-hmm. um that was the thing that he was really really good at i i i wonder if he is losing some of his potential by moving inside to guard but i really feel like that's the place he's going to be most successful um i think he would be best served playing as a guard on a zone scheme because they could use his quickness they could use his yeah. speed more effectively but i also think he would be a next level good center um, I like I said, very intelligent, understands the schemes and stunts that he's that he's seeing in front of him. I almost never saw him guess wrong. Okay. And that's he just that's something have, to be said. He just doesn't have that, that arm reach, that length to play tackle or kind of thing, or is it just Yeah, I mean, his arms are a little bit shorter. I, I don't think he's got I, I also don't think he's got the aggressive level of like punch needed at the outside. I, I mm-hmm. feel like he's He's closer to a catch offensive lineman, you know, so depending on how you how you coach it up, there's guys that punch and guys that catch. He's closer to a catch, um, but I feel like on the inside, he's going to be able to get low. He's going to be able to get coached up in a way that will make him a more effective interior lineman than offensive line or offensive tackle. Damn. Okay, so uh, Rashawn Slater is just the third elite prospect you've given us. We had the two mm-hmm. wide receivers. Um we didn't technically name any quarterbacks elite, but obviously quarterbacks will always go pretty high. And we haven't gotten to a couple of big positionals yet, tackles and uh, edge rushers. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's more to come. Maybe Penn Sewell. We have to check the tape. But with Rashawn Slater, an elite grade, how far do you think he's going to last in that first round? Obviously he's a first rounder, but how far? I would be absolutely fucking shocked to see him fall, fall past 15. Ooh, there's somebody there at 14 love to have a nice guard that's in the lead. Heck, I don't know. I feel like you almost have to trade down where the Vikings are at 14 to get somebody like Rashawn Slater. I think he might go earlier. There's a lot of mocks, honestly, to have him go into Dallas there at 10. I, Like I said, I, I wouldn't be mad if we drafted an elite offensive line prospect. I'm yeah, not going about elite, that. Yeah. You know, I I don't think we need help on the offensive side of the ball, personally, but, you mm. know, it's best player available. That's all you ever do, so. BPA, okay. All right, well, let's keep an eye on them, Rashawn Slater. That's exciting. Uh, the next of your interior offensive linemen, the guards and centers, who do you want to talk? It is uh, Elijah Vera Tucker out of uh, right. USC. This USC guy, another one that was a lot of mocks have going to Minnesota there at 14, but where do you think he goes? Um, I, I view him, so like I said, I 
even though I view them going in the same area draft-wise, obviously I like Rashawn Slater better because I can't give Elijah Vera Tucker an elite grade. He's just okay. not a great. He's not a great run blocker. Excellent in pass protection. I think he's one of the guys that I would have a, a better argument about moving out to tackle and staying at tackle. Wow. Um, okay. More than Rashawn Slater, but I think he'd be really effective inside as a guard too. Um, he's very stout at the point of attack. He uses leverage very well. I think some medium-sized defensive tackles would struggle with him because he will get low. Um, but this is a guy that could add size because um, at six foot four, three fifteen, he's not maxed out. He could play at three thirty, and I think he could carry that pretty well. Um, if he's going to stay at tackle, I think he's going to stay at that weight, but I would love to see this guy add some pounds, uh, add some body, add some muscle, and some meat, and I think that'd be fucking nice for him, man. Okay, and uh, I, it's interesting that you say, and I know he played tackle back at USC uh, 2020, but he he was guard before then he got moved there, and it seems like most pundits who are, are pretty sure on this guy being a guard for the next level, and Rashawn Slater's the one that they're less sure of moving inside to guard so you're a little bit off uh, opposite you'd rather uh, you'd be more comfortable with this guy at tackle than Slater yeah I'd be more comfortable with him at tackle I just think his I think his body's better I think he's got a more natural punch and pass protection um than than Slater does right now like I said Slater's a much better dancer Slater is more like a dancing bear but I think Elijah Vera Tucker will be a a good tackle for you right now. I also think Tucker may get moved to the right tackle position uh, before he goes to the left tackle position. I feel like you're wasting Slater at the right tackle when he'd be much more effective inside. Okay. I can see that. Uh, I agree with. Um, Okay. Who's the next of the interior to discuss? Let's see. I'm going back to my list here. Uh, It is Trey Smith. And I know these guys aren't the the most uh, sexiest picks, but God dang, the Vikings have a lot of holes here. So I'm very excited to to learn more about these big guards. Uh, Trey Smith, this is the man out of Tennessee. Ooh, tall, tall man at 6'6". (laughs) Yeah. So this is the one hard part. When you have a guy that's that big at the guard position or that big inside, you always get a little bit worried. Yeah, uh, because I, that's it's an easy way for a guy to get underneath him. Um, is at six foot six. Even if you're six foot two and not playing with good leverage, you can get an underneath guy like that pretty quickly. I feel like this. From what I saw, this guy he was kind of like, I'm the biggest guy out here, and I'm just going to use that to my advantage, and that's my that's my style to play. Like he'd get smacked and he'd move back pretty quickly and pretty easily. And then he'd just be able to like reset cause he's such a big guy and he didn't go that far kind of thing. Obviously a good anchor and things, but there didn't seem to be much body control. He seemed to kind of, if they got him off balance, they could just swing him away from, from the, uh, from pass coverage. Yeah. This is a guy that has a lot of potential. Um, because to that point, you would see a guy get off on him and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to just set my ass at anchor. And then that was where he was really effective. Um, when he was pressing his will, so he was excellent as a run blocker because if he knew that he was going downhill on you, you got all 335 pounds uh, coming right over the top of you. Um, the thing where I think he is going to need to develop is you set him up with speed, he's going to struggle very badly. Yeah. Um, if you come at him with, with strength or with power, I think he'll do very well with that at the next level. But he's going to need to adapt to interior speed, which, you know, you're not seeing a lot of that shit at Tennessee. 
uh, a ton of interior speed coming at you. So I, I think that'll be something that he has to improve on. But at six foot six, three thirty five, I feel like somebody's going to give him that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just a yeah beast of a guy out there, and so if nothing else, scare the guy across from him maybe a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't take him the first round. I wouldn't touch him. No, you're right. I think I had him. I said third round at best. Honestly, do you have yeah? Him? Yeah. Um, I can see him going just because of his size. Um, some flashes of athleticism. I can see him going in the late second round, you know, especially if you're a, an offensive line needy team, you might say to yourself, all right, I, I've got a starter at guard right now, but I would love to see what this guy could do with another, you know, season under his belt. And I'd be intrigued by that too. Okay, great. Um, all right, let's move on to the next uh, uh, guard center that we have. Uh, we were talking about Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. All right, Wyatt Davis. This guy was kind of fun to watch, physical body moving of a player. So it, it's funny. Um, Wyatt Davis is another one that, like, Ohio State has produced mildly effective offensive linemen for, like, the last six years. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny. I feel like Davis is 100% a guard. Um, I don't feel like he's going to move inside to center. I don't feel like anybody's going to kick him outside to tackle. Um, he's a little slow-footed. Um, but once again, great base, uh, get, has a good first step, um, seems to get out of his snap very, very well and just keeps his hand. I thought his hands were actually excellent for a guard. I feel like he would find placement and punch very quickly, get his hands on a guy and would really control the interior of the defensive line. So I thought that was, I thought that was actually excellent. Yeah, I thought I put down good containment on man blocks. Like if he was one on one with somebody, he wasn't really letting that guy go too much. And he finished blocks, which is fun to see a guard do. Um, average feet control, kind of like because he's hip to hip with the center or tackle kind of thing, he's better off in that way. Uh, and had some knee injury questions. This was the guy that mm-hmm. that dealt with some well not not as bad as the next one we're going to talk about but yeah, uh true. he had knee injury issues and i think his technique could probably be coached up a little bit he kind of goes brute force over technique at times yeah i think he's going to i think he'll be effective i think people will have questions i think it's probably going to slide him into the late second or third round mm-hmm. um because i think that's a guy once again, you're you're talking about a guy like, will you take a linebacker out of Penn State? Will you take an offensive lineman out of Ohio State? Yeah. Uh, they just right. produce quality starters. No stars, really, but they produce quality starters all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way down. You're Wyatt Davis, and you only have to use him as like a swing guard? Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. You, once again, this is a guy that gives you value in the third round or fourth round and shows the potential to be a starter for you long term. Yeah. Um, okay, and I kind of led into it, but obviously the last guy we want to talk about, uh, ooh, injury concerns on this guy, uh, Landon Dickerson out of uh, Alabama. Yeah, tore his ACL uh, in the SEC championship game this year. Yeah. Not great. And um, he's had two ankle injuries in college as well, I think. Yeah, the lower body is not doing well for Landon Dickerson. Um, this is a guy that, from a production standpoint, like, as a college offensive lineman, I don't know what more you could ask of a guy. You know, right. he was fucking phenomenal. He won the Remington this last year. He's a natural center, smart dude. Um, 
excellent offensive line, like ran that offensive line. He came into Alabama from uh, Florida State. He was a transfer. But this is a guy that, you know, wanted to play at Alabama, earned his stripes at Florida State, transferred over, um, and became a fucking phenomenal center. But when you fucking blow your knee out <laughs> this year, I I don't know, and especially at a position uh, that's not a premium, right? Um, center is one of those weird spots that's probably the only other position other than quarterback that if you've got two, you don't have one. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Like, right. You know, you you very clearly, even if your center's not great, if he's got a rapport with the quarterback, you're good to go. If you've got two that are kind of vying back and forth for that, it just doesn't work. Like, it's it's like a, a catcher-pitcher relationship, you know? It, it's it's a strange alchemy. Um, now, that being said, Landon Davis, or Dickerson. sorry, Landon Dickerson, um, Mac Jones owes Landon Dickerson quite a bit of money. There you go, um, yeah. Because he set his pass protection excellently every game. You would see Dickerson set that shit up uh, easily. So, like I said, great mind for a center. It's the knee questions. It's the injury questions. The productivity, no question. Productivity and athleticism puts him as a second round or first rounder. The injury concerns could knock him all the way down to the fourth. I think so. I, I'm Maybe he comes off... In, in interviews and everything else as smart as the guy is because like you said he's a center for Alabama and he should play center in the next level but yeah if you don't need one right away and you just want an offensive guard or something I think he's smart enough he could play wherever you want he could pick that, those position changes up he's a smooth uh, blocker catches backside blocks can run out there with guys like it was yeah it's solid to watch him play it's just He's kind of a big lumbering guy. When he runs, he's 6'6", 324. I mean, he's huge. Uh, but, yeah, what are you going to get? I don't know. The The NFL comparison was Dalton Reisner, which is not bad. But Yeah, uh, that's pretty good. I The closest I had was actually comparing him to another guy, Barrett Jones. So this is not a compliment because Barrett Jones didn't have a great career in the NFL. Um, you know, only played for a couple seasons. But I thought he's a more athletic, bigger-bodied Barrett Jones. Because yeah. they they literally came from the same exact position, the same school, and they're you can kind of see the technique is the same way. But Dickerson's bigger, faster, more athletic, um, and Barrett Jones was taken as a natural round four, but he had no injury concerns. So I think Dickerson is a second round grade. Injury concerns drop him to four. All right. Uh, well, there you go. There's not only the interior defensive line, but uh, with our offensive line too, that's 10 new, very good friends of the push off podcast. Um, and Barrymore I more don't like me, but aside from that, <laughs> I think everybody's fine. I say that, uh, I'm excited about these interior offensive linemen, but let's be honest, most uh, fans out there that pay attention to, you know, the deep roster spots of the offensive defensive line, you're probably not fully hundred percent comfortable with everybody lining up there. You're probably thinking I can upgrade a little bit here or there. And, we gave you some names of guys here that you might be super excited to, to see land in, in your colors come late April. Yeah, I mean, at almost every position except for quarterback, you can always add a body and mm-hmm. improve. You know, you you go, hey, I've got two starting defensive tackles. Would you like a rotational D-tackle? Right. You know, <laughs> like, I've got, th- I've got a starting center and two guards. Need a swing? Maybe a guy that's got some, that could play tackle or guard, and, you know, you don't have to take up a roster spot with a guy with less versatility and upside. 
this is the time that if you've done a good job in free agency, and like we said, you've filled your roster to the point where we can start our season with these guys we have, you can go best player available and really, really grow your team from here on out. You know, take as many shots as you can, especially, you know, we talk about those primo rounds, one through four. You should be getting a starter or at least a starter a year or two from now somewhere in round one through four. Projects, um, you know, recovery guys, that's five through seven. But one through four, you've got to get a starter, a guy that's contributing on your team right now. And we go prospect by prospect in all of these shows that we've done. Uh, we got to be nearing 50-some prospects already for 2021 here. Yeah. There is only a couple more positions left, Dan. Next week, we're going to we're gonna deep dive just the one. Which one are we going to deep dive? We are going to stay with offensive tackles. We're going to close it out with edge rush, but we're going we're gonna to stay with offensive tackles. So um, we're not going to do two position groups, just the one, and we're going to have a few more prospects to talk about because of that. Uh, but there's a ton of really good tackle prospects coming back into this draft to the point where there's going to be guys with first-round grades that don't get taken in the first round at the offensive tackle position. What a smorgasbord for you, Scott. <laughs> It's deep. It's a deep, deep offensive tackle group here. So, yeah, it makes sense that we'll give it one show. And then edge rushers after that, and there you go. Those are a a huge look at all the prospects coming up for uh, the draft in Cleveland at late April. Like, uh, it's it's coming up, like I've said already a couple times. It's under a month away. Uh, We're super excited for it. We spent uh, the last, what, month and a half telling you about all these awesome players that are going to be in there. So you guys get get an understanding of who you got once once the the pick is in. Get ready. All right. Well, but let's wrap it up. That's our show. That's the Push Out Podcast for this week. Hey, like it was a tight you. show. Look at you. Uh, that's what I'm telling you. Uh, from the future, I know all this stuff. Um, <laughs> but we thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we do this show each and every week, and uh, like I said, we got a nice one coming up next week to check out the tackles. Uh, so you want to stick it right here. Uh, what I would do is subscribe because then it just pops right up there on your smartphone, tells you there, or uh, you know your iTunes wherever you, you you get your podcast. Subscribe there, uh, throw it out on your social media, tell your friends how much you enjoyed this episode and how much the next ones are going to rock. That's what we would love you to do. And you know, if you want to rate us too, I think there's a five star option there. Anything lower, get out of here. Don't need it. <laughs> uh, Put anyways. that shit in your pocket. Yeah, uh, our our web uh, our website is thepushoff.com. If you go to thepushoff.com, you can listen to seasons worth of this show. So uh, catch up with all of the old ones and all your favorites at thepushoff.com. And there's a bunch of just other podcasts at universehead.com. That's where we are with a couple of other real good friends that do shows too. So check them all out there at universehead.com. All right. And this uh, time when we say very good friends, we mean it. Yeah, and those are very good friends, yeah. The ones that we actually know. <laughs> All right, Dan, <laughs> just a couple wedding. of crazy stats for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Leonard Fournette got re-signed with Tampa Bay. This makes the Buccaneers the first team since 1994 to return an entire starting roster from a Super Bowl team. When, <laughs> and what's the strange thing about 1994? Yeah, that was the start of the salary cap. That was the start of the salary cap, and I was gonna say too. The, the nine when they say ninety four was that ninety three to ninety four was that your Cowboys or was that uh, the that nine? Was, or, okay, uh, that was my Cowboys. That was the Cowboys beating the Bills to the Cowboys beating the Bills, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
And then they, they put a squash on that. Uh, and then finally, uh, now we have only two teams ever, unless they decide that this 17-game season is too much. Two teams ever will finish 0-16, and, and that will be the Lions and the Browns forever and ever. Couldn't think of two more deserving franchises to wear that scarlet letter for the remainder of their days. It, it probably just means that now that we head into this uh, – season with one extra game that they'll be the two in the super bowl <laughs> yeah probably true tampa bay is like we went zero and 14 i was like nobody cares <laughs> nobody cares anymore uh all right that's our show that's my crazy stats dan do you have any parting words of wisdom my words of wisdom are this look deeply into this draft uh, we've given you, as Scott said, over 50 prospects already. We're going to have over 60 when this thing is all said and done. Um, that's over. Uh, we're actually going to have over two rounds worth of picks, but there's seven rounds to go. I don't think we're going to talk about anybody that goes undrafted, but there's going to be a bunch of guys that get drafted that we haven't talked about. We have a few more shows going up. If you want us to deep dive on a particular player, particular position, bring it up to us, shoot us a message, and we will happily dive into it. We might have a, a wrap-up show or a pre-draft show where we can get all that stuff attended to. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, even if we passed one of the positions that you think your guys are going to, you know, your team's going to pick if, if there's a, you know, you really want to hear our thoughts on J.C. Horn, maybe we'll do it, but you got to ask nicely. <laughs> Or you just go, J.C. Horn, and we go, all right, let me dedicate an hour of my thank life. Thank you to so much in. for talking. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining another episode of the Push Off Podcast. I'm Scott. And this is Dan. Enjoy your week. We can't wait to see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.